Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Mark Betancourt. The International Monetary Fund and World Bank recently wrapped up their spring meetings in Washington, D.C., and one of the topics dominating the discussion was that of income inequality. Guy Ryder, Director General of the International Labor Organization, was one of the panelists at a seminar on the subject of inequality. He welcomes recent research produced by the IMF that suggests that inequality can be destructive to growth. Ryder is particularly concerned about how wages, as a proportion of national income, have grown ever smaller over the last few decades. What we call the labor share of income, you know, that proportion of national income around the world that goes to people who work, has been on the decline for, for a long time, as I've indicated. Um, what does it mean for this connection between uh, inequality uh, and growth? It basically means that you know, people do not have the money in their pocket that they used to. They're not spending, so we do have a demand problem. We are simply not uh, creating the type of productive activity that we need to get people back to work. I do also think we need to look at labour markets. There is a role as well for minimum wage setting, uh, which governments around the world uh, are still using with some effect to um, tackle inequality. And the way that wages are fixed are labour market institutions. You know, those countries which have more equitable income distributions give a lot of play to um, industrial relations, to collective bargaining, governments, employers and workers, in systems which are very different around the world, but coming together to bargain for a fair share um, of national income, the sorts of fair shares that could reverse this long-term decline in the wage share of, of national income. In terms of what governments can do, it sounds like anything that, that involves affecting the labor force across an entire country is going to be a pretty expansive type of program and, and probably be pretty costly. Uh, what about countries that don't necessarily have the resources to put towards something like that? You're right. I mean, countries um, face different uh, situations fiscally and in fiscal and monetary policy. The available space uh, is different uh, in, in different places. Nevertheless, um, I think that what space there is needs to be used uh, to the full. Um, and I could take an example which um, is, is very present in Europe. Uh, the European Commission has now decided to introduce what they call a youth guarantee scheme, which basically says that in any of the European Union countries, uh, uh, a young person who's been out of the job market or out of education for more than four months will, as a matter of right, have an opportunity uh, at job experience or, or, or training. Now, that sounds a very expensive proposition. This is being done in situations of quite uh, serious financial constraints. But the thing you have to remember is the costs of inaction, the costs of not doing this, are much, much greater than this, what I refer to as an investment in young people. If you factor in the costs of lost production, the costs of uh, social assistance programs that have to keep these people out of work going, uh, plus the deterioration of human capital, because people out of a job market for a long time suffer the scars permanently, then the costs of inactivity are, are, are multiple, and a big multiple of the costs of actually investing in these schemes. In a region like Africa, where it has one of the youngest populations in the world, what do you recommend in terms of potentially sort of cheaper or simpler measures than something like a youth guarantee uh, that, that could be implemented there to sort of harness the energy of, of that young generation that right now is going largely unemployed? 
I think you're right. Uh, what, what this young population in Africa, we tend to call it a, a, a demographic dividend because you've got more young people coming into labor markets and boosting the productive potential of these economies. You know, that uh, demographic dividend can turn into a demographic time bomb if you don't find decent work for the people coming in right now. And Africa has got a very interesting and potentially a very, very positive opportunity uh, before it because Africa's growing. Africa's growing, you know, at about around 5.5% and has been for, for some time. The challenge in Africa is to use the resources um, generated by often uh, primary resource-based growth. Um, you've got to capture the revenues, and that means governance, and it means taxation. And then it means using those resources effectively uh, to broaden uh, the development base, to train young people, and produce the sort of uh, wider labor market dynamics which can give them an opportunity. Now, that's a complicated task. I, I absolutely feel that there's a complicated job ahead of Africa. But the major constraint, in my estimation at least, is not that the money won't be there because growth is generating resources in Africa at a much greater rate than it previously uh, did. It's the governance and um, policy challenge of actually putting those resources to the right use. Uh, and I do think that the international community has a heavy responsibility to accompany Africa in this moment of real opportunity. We've been sort of told, and in some cases even some of the international organizations have been saying that um, income inequality is just a price you pay for, mm. for growth. What is the uh, ILO position on that idea? Inequality has reached uh, a level right now that is actually a drag on growth. It's a drag on the growth that we need. And from my perspective, we need that growth to create jobs because we've got a massive jobs deficit out there still. You know, my organization's mandate is to promote social justice. Uh, and so we've been concerned about growing levels of inequality for a very long time. Societies that become overly unequal uh, suffer from social tensions, from volatility, from instability. And we've seen that. You know, history shows us what can happen there. We shouldn't be waiting, uh, if you like, for the economic case to be, uh, to be made. But that economic case is being made. And what I think is really important and what is potentially a game changer, and IMF research is leading the way in all of this, that there is now an alignment. There is an alignment around inequality as both a social concern but also as an economic problem as well. And when those two thoughts come into alignment, then I think it adds tremendous force uh, to international policy making to try to find less inequality roads so that we can make the economy work better. And that was Guy Ryder, Director General of the International Labor Organization, with some thoughts on how more and better jobs can help reduce inequality and how new economic concerns over inequality can bolster efforts to make the world a fairer place to work. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more like this on www.soundcloud.com forward slash IMF dash podcasts.